I find it interesting that um, what I'm planning on talking about tonight is there's a healer in the house. There's a healer in the house. And um, and we've been called to pray. I think we've got a slide for that, Nick. Thank you. Um, there's a healer in the house. How many know that we have a healer? Amen. And his name is Jesus. There's a story that I want you to look at in Mark chapter 2, starting with verse number one you guys know this story probably if you've been in church for any length of time mark chapter 2 verse number one says a few days later when jesus again entered capernaum the people heard that he had come home they gathered gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat where the mat the, mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And I would venture to say that if we were to witness the same thing happen today, we would probably say, I've never seen anything like that in my life. It would cause us to have such, a, such an impression of of power and greatness and glory, I, I just don't know what we would do. You know, it just it's just it's something that's so phenomenal. But these four men brought their friend to Jesus because they had heard he was in town. They knew about his ability to heal. They knew that there was a healer in the house. It was evident the reputation of Jesus healing people and touching people was there. And the same Jesus that healed people then is the same Jesus that still heals people today. They were determined to get into the very presence of Jesus because there was no way to get through the door. 
There was a barrier, a roadblock. How many know that many times when you need an answer from the Lord, there is a barrier or there is a roadblock that is there before you, and it could be something that has nothing to do with the enemy, and it could be something that the enemy has put to keep an obstacle in front of you to keep you from getting the miracle that you need from the Lord. This lowering through the roof to gain entrance, it really was a brilliant idea. And I could just imagine that when he was lowered down, that every eye was like, you know, they're in a covered place. And all of a sudden, there's a hole that comes up. And everybody, there's just wall-to-wall people there. And they're looking all of a sudden, you know, maybe there's, I don't know if it's daytime, nighttime, what, but all of a sudden, they can see sun, stars, sky, whatever. And all of a, there's this guy coming down, and they're all just like jaw-dropping like, what is going on? Nobody does this. Nobody does this. But yet these people, these four men were doing this and lowering him down right there in front of Jesus. We can't get to Jesus that way. We're going to get to him somehow. And those folks that were blocking the door, I can imagine that, that it was so crowded that they probably had to scoot back a little bit. And some people who might have been just inside the threshold of the door probably had to scoot back a little bit to make room for this guy that was being laid on a bed right there in front of them. It wasn't like he was being dropped down vertically. You're talking about a bed that was just dropped down right there. And there he was. All eyes were on him. And in verse 5, it says, Jesus saw their faith. He saw that they were willing to go to the extreme limit. Beyond where many might have just said, I guess it's no use. We won't be able to get in. Let's just go and, and go home. We'll try another day. They were going to find a way to get to Jesus. And the first thing that you notice that Jesus said to this man he didn't say you're healed. That was the evident need that he had and everybody knew that he needed healed. But what he said was, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. This really shows us that the first and most important thing is not healing. The first and most important thing is right relationship with God. When you need healing, emotional, physical, or whatever kind of healing, the first thing that you need to make sure of is you need to make sure that everything's right between you and God. Don't even go to the Lord and ask Him to meet some need that you have in your life unless you are right in your heart and your relationship with God because you have no right standing with God. You need to make sure that you your sins are forgiven and that you're in a right relationship with God. The religious leaders of the day couldn't believe that Jesus could forgive sins. And so as a demonstration of his authority and power in verse 10, he said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus said, it's, 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 just as easy, it's just as easy to forgive sin as it is to say, get up, take your mat and walk. It's just as easy for one thing as it is the other. Forgiveness of sin and healings are both easy things for God to do. 
They are. And Jesus told the man to get up and walk. And he did just that. He was healed. He was delivered. This man was bound by infirmity because of the devil's work on the earth. How many know the devil has work that he does here on the earth? And the doorway to the devil's work on the earth was opened by man's fall to sin. When man fell to sin, you could read about it in Genesis chapter 3. Sin causes separation from God. And that sinful nature has transferred throughout all the generations. And so we are born with a sinful nature. And Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they, talking about the believers, the true sheep, may have life and have it to the full. Have it more abundantly. The enemy of your soul does everything he can to steal from you, to kill, to destroy everything in your life that's good and everything that's godly and everything that will put hope into your life. To look toward someone, to look toward Jesus Christ. He wants to stop you from doing that if he can. But Jesus said, don't even think about that. Look to me because I've come to give you abundant life. And there's some people that are going through all kinds of troubles and difficulties and maybe even infirmities right now that can hear me and says, well, I'm, I'm going through something right now and I don't understand it. I don't know why I'm going through this. I, I don't feel like I'm in abundant life. I feel like I've been stolen from, from the enemy. Can I tell you that the first and number one thing that's important is your right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And when you have the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can have the perspective that God wants you to have on the other things. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work he doesn't just put it on hold he destroys the work of the devil yes there are some physical things some physical ailments that we might have we will have uh, uh, and you say, well, pastor, I'm just not going to receive that. Um, listen, if you can do things like you could, if you're older, you could do things like you could 10 and 20 years ago, then you can tell me that nothing, that you're not affecting that and you're not receiving that. But there's a little something called age. And it's the great equalizer. Even in good health. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work through victory over sin and through victory over sickness and disease. Matthew 4, verse number 23 says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. He healed them. 
Just as Jesus healed while he walked on this earth as the son of man, yet as the son of God, he's still in the business of healing today. Church, there's a healer in the house. And his name is Jesus. When you need a healing, pray the word. There is no more powerful prayer than when you pray the word. You pray the word of God. That's what Jesus did in Luke chapter 4 when he was in the wilderness with the, when the, with the enemy. With, when he was tempting, giving, uh, uh, tempting him or trying to tempt him. Offering all kinds of things. And Jesus each time would give him back the word. He gave him the word. 700 years before Christ came to earth as a baby in a manger to bear witness of God's plan for salvation for mankind from sin and restoration to right relationship with the Heavenly Father that loves them. The prophet Isaiah said this about the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 700 years before it happened, it was revealed to Isaiah, and it is in your Bible. We are healed. When you need a healing, you get the scripture, you get the word of God out. You begin to pray and say, Lord, your word says we are healed. I am healed and I'm going to stand on that word. I'm going to believe it. Jesus, the Messiah, would suffer and die upon a cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. This was his primary mission. But the punishment that brought us peace and reconciliation to God also brings us healing. He took a beating and verse 5 says that by his wounds, the King James says, by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. In Matthew 8 and 16, it says, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This is to fulfill what was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. You see, divine healing from God is an integral part of the gospel, and deliverance from sickness is provided in Christ's sufferings his suffering and his death. Healing is a privilege to all believers. Well, we know that healing is available. We know that not everyone receives healing. And don't shout me down just because I'm preaching, preaching good because you know that this is true. 
A lot of people question this. Well, if I pray for healing and I believe for healing, why am I not seeing healing? Why am I not? My former pastor, Alexander, used to say when he had symptoms, he would say, I'm coming down with a healing. I'm coming down with a healing. I like that. I remember my sister was born spina bifida hydrocephalic she had to have a shunt put on her brain to keep the water the the water from swelling in her head she was paralyzed from the waist down had a hole in her back there was really little other treatment outside of closing the hole in her back and putting the shunt in and just doing the best that they could. About probably 25 years ago, I read a story. I read a story where they had actually done an in vitro surgery on a spina bifida baby in the womb. And it was born normal. And I thought, wow. My sister had her first surgery when she was 48 hours old. She lived two years, and in her two years, she had 11 surgeries. That was tough. My mom and dad pastored a church, and my mom told me later on, she says, you know, I thought God was going to heal that baby. I believe with all my heart that, she, that God was going to heal her. She says, I got her dressed and we went to revivals and went to church because, folks, when, when I was a kid, church was everything. Mm -hmm. You didn't do all kinds of other stuff. There wasn't any technology outside of TV and there was four channels. And so people would go to church. They wouldn't indulge in all the other kind of stuff because there wasn't as much out there as there is today. But we went to church. We went to revivals. We went to church every night when we had revival, sometimes for weeks at a time. And she said there were times when I, I took her to church and I, I, I felt that my mama played the piano. She said, I felt like I probably should have kept her at home, but I took her anyway. And she said, I just, I knew God was going to heal her. She, she took her to Oral Roberts and thought God was going to heal her, but it never happened. My dad received a vision from the Lord alerting him that she was going to die before it actually happened. And I can remember that night when it happened. I was six years old. And it was tough. But she has a new body. She doesn't have any pain. She doesn't have any suffering. I can remember she she didn't really talk. She made sounds. And the only word that she ever said was Bubba. <laughs> and so it kind of made me feel special. I can remember the good times that that we had. 
the funny times and the things that were kind of irritating at the time. We had some friends that made her a little scooter to get around on. We had hardwood floors in the house. And they made her a little scooter that was probably about the shape of a guitar. It was, had long and slender and then had a bigger area here and it had little casters on there. And she had movement from the waist up. So she could move her hands, move her head. And, and so um, they made her this little scooter and we would take one of these cloth diapers and we would, or a towel or something, and we would tie her legs onto that scooter and she would use her hands and she would paddle and she would be able to travel in the house on the hardwood floors because of that scooter. She could get around because she couldn't walk. And uh, we shared a bedroom. It was a large, it was an old house, large. Uh, I, I, my bed was over here. She had a crib over here. And one morning, she woke up early. And I wasn't ready to get up. So I just got her out of her bed. And I just put her on her scooter. And I went back to bed. And then mom wakes me up. She had gone into the living room and had started taking books off the bookshelf. <laughs> and there they were, all over the floor, as high as she could reach, which was, you know, maybe the second shelf from the bottom. And I always felt disappointed because Mom made me put all the books back. <laughs> and Mama told me, she said, I didn't get onto her for that because she, she was not able to do very much and she said you know she really didn't do much to get into trouble so <laughs> she didn't see the point but I remember those times and I think about those times but I think now that she's healed completely she's completely healed my grandfather who was a Pentecostal preacher for 35 years at least preached the gospel, was one of the best men that I knew of. He was a role model for me. He lived a life that was exemplary and a perfect witness for the cause of Jesus Christ. He was the same when you saw him in public as he was in private. There was no difference. He didn't have any, any bad... Uh, he didn't have these outbursts of anger or anything else like, you know, some people may, may be different in different situations. I've, I've known people like that. But he got stomach cancer. They operated and they said he might make it six months and he actually lived about a year. He was 72 years old. And I didn't understand We prayed for healing. And healing didn't come in the way that we had prayed. God, if you're going to heal anybody, why don't you heal this man who's dedicated his life to you? He's dedicated his life to you.
everybody gets healed. So we trust God for healing. And we also trust in his sovereignty, which is his supreme knowledge, authority, and plan. I did find out that his brother, Bill, who hadn't darkened the door of a church in many, many years, after my grandfather passed away, he started going to church and he served the Lord wholeheartedly till he left this earth. So even in that tragic happening in our lives, there was something great that came out of it. And we don't know. We don't know all the puzzle pieces. We don't know how it all fits together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Even if I should boast, this is Paul talking, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think of me more than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, the enemy of our soul will never give up attacking us. He will never give up attacking God's people. As long as you serve God, as long as you make Jesus Lord of your life, the enemy of your soul, the devil, will never give up. My grandma said before, she said, I wish the devil would just take a vacation. But he won't. He's always there. He always comes at us. And Paul was very close to the Lord. I mean, my goodness, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. And we, we look at this and this great man of God that we had heard powerful messages from and seen powerful things happen. If anybody ought to have God's ear, it should be Paul. Earlier in this chapter, Paul talks about receiving revelations from the Lord. The, Paul's thorn in the flesh from Satan was because of the revelations that he had received to keep him from becoming exalted above measure, the King James says, or conceited. The reason the enemy did this was because of what God had done in this man's life. You understand what this word says, what the implications are. I receive revelations from the Lord that the devil comes in with a thorn in the flesh. Anytime that you receive your instructions from the Lord, the devil wants to do his utmost to keep you from care, keep you from carrying out those instructions, to keep you from doing what God wants you to do, because he knows that once you have God's plans, you're all the more dangerous to his, his uh, domain. 
And Paul prayed three times, Lord, take this away. Whatever his weakness was, that it was troubling so much that he pleaded with the Lord three times. There have been a lot of speculation about what this thorn in the flesh was. But no one really knows for certain. I believe, I believe that the Lord allowed it to remain a mystery so that we could fill in the blank with whatever thorn in the flesh that, that ours might be. The word thorn in this context communicates the idea of pain, trouble, or suffering, or humiliation, or even physical infirmity. So it covers a broad spectrum of things. But it's not temptation to sin. It's not that. But it's something else that the enemy is attacking with. And after praying for this troubling weakness, the response from the Lord was astounding, but yet powerful. In verse 9, he said, My grace, which is unmerited, unearned favor from the Lord, my grace is sufficient, which is more than enough for you to be able to deal with this. So you may have something that you're going through. You may have a weakness. You may have a sickness. You may have an infirmity. And maybe you've prayed for healing and you don't understand why it's not taking place. Let me tell you something. Don't give up praying for the Lord for your healing or for your deliverance. But know this, until you get from this into a better place, that he is, His grace is sufficient for you. And He will be more than enough to take care of whatever that is. There may be times when you, you feel so overwhelmed by whatever it is. Maybe it's emotional healing that you need. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's, it's something else. But whatever it is, His grace, His unmerited favor, the very favor of God is more than enough to be able to overcome whatever that is that the enemy has brought into your life. And that's exactly where it came from. And the reason Jesus said this, because my power and my strength is made perfect in weakness. When you are weak, you are strong through Jesus Christ. If you remember the scripture when Jesus said um, that, that you bring my burdens to you, take on my burden because my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's what he said. And I've explained this before, but I'll just touch on it again. When in, in farming, when there is a yoke, which is a wooden apparatus that ties two animals together, so it harnesses the power of that those animals together to do the work and the task that's at hand, so that 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 task can be done and completed. Sometimes there's dissimilar animals um, in size and scope, maybe even different breeds. You might have an ox and a mule or ox and a horse or whatever. And what that, what that yoke does is it ties them together so that the, the work is evenly distributed. The, 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 the labor is evenly distributed so that the bigger animal takes on the bigger portion than the smaller animal. And Jesus said, when you come up alongside me, I'm the bigger one. I'll take up most of the load and you don't have to. I'll take that from you because of my unmerited favor. It's more than enough. There may be a healing that you need, but it doesn't seem to come. But remember, God's grace is sufficient, more than enough to see you through each and every weakness and difficulty that you have from each day, from one day to the next.
And you can, re you can realize, as Paul did, that when you're weak, you're strong. And lastly, we know that there were, will come a time for us all to be called from this earth. Whether through the rapture, I believe Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon, but he's either going to take us through the rapture or he's going to take us through death. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, we're all going to die unless the rapture of the church happens. We don't get to say when. It's not... We don't know how many breaths are in these lungs. We don't know how much function these bodies will have. Only God knows. Only He knows. But we cannot explain why some are healed and others are not. God knows all and He does all things well according to the purpose that only He knows. Only He knows. We will all have a time when we have to leave this earth and we live each day trusting in God through Jesus Christ. We trust Him because we know that there's a healer in the house. And I'm going to trust Him for whatever healing that I need. There's some of you, maybe somebody watching, do you have a mercy? emotional heat hurts that have gone deep and that have cut so deeply that there's scars that are left from them. And those scars don't seem like they're ever going to go away. Can I tell you that the scars that you have may not go away but you have the ability to say, I have grace through Jesus Christ and His grace is more than enough for me to get past those scars. I was about five years old and climbing on my kids swing set not my kids but it was my swing set when I was a kid this kids swing set and uh, I uh, I love to climb me and my cousin climbed trees we would climb up two two and a half stories up in the air in some of these trees and it would frighten our parents I mean, you could feel the whole tree sway, and you know, here you are, five, six years old, way up at the top of this tree out in the country, and it was awesome. And I can remember climbing on top of this swing set and losing my grip and falling. And this swing set happened to be next to a fence, and it was a barbed wire fence. Yes, I have a gash on my knee, and I, I could show it to you, but I'm not going to right this minute. It's on my knee. It's about, it's about this long, 
still yet today. So you can imagine on a five-year-old how big it was. And um, it definitely should have had stitches, but it didn't. And I, I think my mom just kept putting three band-aids at a time or four band-aids at a time over it. And when they would bleed through, she'd put more on it, you know. But I can look back at that scar and I can remember what happened. Never forget that. I mean, it's embedded in my mind. But has it caused me to look and say, I'm never going to go on a swing set again? No. That causes me to be more careful. Um, matter of fact, I was on a swing set not too long ago with Journey. But now I wasn't climbing all on top of it either. <laughs> so we learn. But whatever emotional healing, whatever physical healing, if we can just turn it over to Him and say, whatever, whatever healing that you're going to give me, I'm going to accept and I want it. I want that healing. And whatever doesn't happen to our expectations, then we have to say, I believe I'm going to change my expectations and I'm not going to dwell on this anymore. And I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to say, Jesus, your grace is sufficient for me. Because in my weakness, your scripture, your word says, your power, your strength is made perfect. And you do two things when you do that. You get yourself from focusing on that thing that is there all the time. That just seems to consume you. Now I understand there may be things that happen in physical ailments that come and because of symptoms and because of things that you have to deal with it seems like it's always there there may be pain involved and I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize that but what I am saying is that you do the best that you can do you leave the rest up to the Lord and then you say I'm going to trust you for the rest and you can help me deal with whatever comes and I'm just going to not think about it as much as I can you deal with it when you have to, but then when you don't have to, you focus continually on the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's why. The second thing is it gets you out. The first thing is get you out of looking at that all the time. And the second thing is this. It gets you into the place where you can receive new revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that new revelation, there is a plan that he wants you to act upon and wants you to fulfill in somebody else's life. Because until you have no more ability at all, he's got a plan for you which involves touching somebody else's life. It may not be the same from one season of your life to another, but there is an absolute plan for you to touch somebody else's life. And as long as the devil tries to, it keeps you wrapped up in whatever the, the healing thing that it, that it is that you need, whatever the circumstance or situation, as long as he can get you to focus completely on that, you'll never be able to receive the revelation because you're so consumed with, God, I need healing, I need healing, I need healing, I need healing. And then pretty soon we get to the place 
place where I need healing, but I'm going to deal with this pain, and the Lord's going to give me the grace to get over it, and I'm going to think about something else right now. Yes, I know it hurts when I do that, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. It's kind of like, well, it hurts when I... My kids, remember this. It, it hurts when I push it right there. Well, don't push it right there, and it won't hurt. You do the best that you can and you give the rest up to Him. But until I receive healing, I'm going to trust the healer and know that His grace is sufficient to get me from today until the next and however many days He allows me to continue. Because every day is a gift from God. And as long as I'm able, I am not going to just focus on whatever the enemy, His agenda is. I'm going to do my best for the Lord. In Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, I'm going to close with this verse. Paul writes this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus folks there's a healer in the house he is our healer he is our deliverer and he's our soon coming king as long as we recognize him as our healer then we get to focus upon him as the soon coming king. We recognize that he's, he, he's our healer, he's sovereign, and we give it to him and we trust him. I remember Joyce Vaughn, precious lady. She worked with our children, worked in our Sunday school area and she developed esophageal cancer. And it was a really different situation because she knew she was terminal and there was nothing that the, that the doctors could do more. And she was at home and her kids were over there often. I think she had six, six children and they were over there all the time. And she, she didn't. focus on her illness and woe is me she started doing what she could in the last few months that she had and one of her kids said this is just, this is just so weird because mama's writing letters to all of us she's telling us I want you to have this and I want you to have that she's making preparations for it. she asked her son you know what is it that you want when I'm gone because she knows she's going and he said, I still remember this. And she said, he told me he wanted, I wanted a, that, that Pepsi Cola salt and pepper shaker that you have. And she says, I wouldn't have even imagined it. But she's writing all this stuff down. We went over there to visit her one night. And she was limited in how much she could eat and what she could eat. And this just popped into my mind. I hadn't thought of it in years. And she wanted a banana cream pie. 
And I made her a banana cream pie at her house. I hadn't done that in a long time. And one of her daughters had said, talked about, you know, that she was going to be leaving before long. And she made this profound statement to her daughter. She says, you don't know that you won't go before I do. Even though her daughter's young, healthy, we don't know, church. We just don't know. So we have to do the most with what we have. There's a healer in the house. And I believe there's somebody that needs healed. Whether it's emotional, physical, whatever it is, we're going to trust him for healing. When Sister Joyce was going through that, somebody in the church asked me, said, Pastor, do you ever get to the point where you just stop praying for healing and you just start praying that the Lord will take them home? And I said, no, I don't. And I, this is what I said. I said, this is what I do. It's like the three Hebrew young men that stood there and were told, bow down or get thrown into the fire. And I prayed this. I said, Lord, you have the ability to deliver and to heal. And I'm going to trust you to do that. But even if you choose not to, we're still going to trust you. Amen. We're still going to trust you. And that's all we have to do. We have to still trust him. Because he's the healer. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are our healer and that there's a healer in the house today. I thank you, God, that you are delivering and setting free right now. Lord, there's people that are listening that have been struggling and struggling with illness, been struggling and struggling with emotional pain and scars. And tonight, oh God, we want to just deliver those all over to you. Come up alongside you and take on your yoke because your yoke is light and your burden is easy. And we do that right now. In the name of Jesus. First and foremost, God, we want to make sure that everything is right in our heart, in our relationship with you, God. We don't want to have any unconfessed sin in our lives because we know we have no standing at all to come to you in prayer unless things are right. And Lord, forgive of any sin that's there. I don't want to stand before you unclean. I don't want to be standing in the wrong place. I ask for your complete, your total forgiveness. As I surrender my life to you wholeheartedly. I thank you for healing my mind, my body, my emotions. Jesus. Lord. 